I'm thankful for God's faithfulness and God's goodness in my life. And uh, today we are in week two of Lamentations. So Lamentations is not a book that uh, I've ever preached from. From the poll I've taken, not many of you have endured a sermon series on Lamentations. I think it would be understandable why it's not typical to want to preach through five songs of lament and crying and mourning and suffering. Um, but I think it's good for us to have a proper theology of suffering because the, the reality is sometimes the world and the things that come into our world are difficult, aren't they? And uh, so, hey, if you're new with us today, my name is John and I am blessed to serve uh, this wonderful church as the pastor and, and thankful to be a part of this this church that in so many ways, in different ways, proves over and over again that they are faithful people who are radically generous, who love God with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind, and, and I'm thankful to just have a part of this, this church. If you are new and uh, would like more information about what it looks like to be a member, right after the service today, we have our Discover Hallmark. My wife, Joy, and I will be right out in the foyer we can kind of give you directions on how to get there. Uh, there are going to be people holding signs. If they're holding a sign, you can ask them. But we would love to just have an opportunity to get to know you and, and give you a little more information about what it looks like to be a member. So this series, as you can see on the screen, is entitled, entitled Beauty uh, for Ashes. Uh, my brother uh, wrote a book entitled Beauty for Ashes, and it's through the Book of Lamentations. And so... That is why, uh, where a lot of our information is coming from. As I said li last week, I um, am hesitant to give him much credit for anything, uh, but I am going to give him credit for this. And also his pictures on the back, very good looking man right there. In case you don't know, we're twins. Uh, and, and so there's a free book, a copy of this book, right? As you exit, before you exit the sanctuary, there's a table back there. Feel free to grab that book. Uh, there is also, I was thinking as we were giving this book away, we have uh, uh, um, extra books laying around on Not My Stuff, which Ed Holland over here, our member of our church, wrote. And so uh, if you're a reader or if you're maybe struggling with your finances, this is a great resource as well. But we just want to make both of these uh, available to you. Again, it points to the radical generosity of our people who give faithfully so we can offer pre, uh, free resources uh, to you. So the book of Lamentations, have you found your, your, your spot there? Uh, it's, it's one of those books kind of tucked away in the Old Testament right after Jeremiah. Just by way of review, uh, Lamentations, most scholars believe, was written by the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Many believe it's kind of the, the conclusion or an epilogue to the book entitled Jeremiah. And there in your Bible, it's Jeremiah then Lamentations. Uh, most believe it was written right after, like 586 B.C., the fall of Judah or Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, into the hands of, of the, the Babylonians. And as we think about the attack, as we think about here Jeremiah, as Jewish tradition would teach us, that Jeremiah is uh, on the northern part of Israel, sitting in a cave, watching Jerusalem be destroyed and the temple be destroyed and everything laying in ruins. You, you may have, when you came in today, you may have, anybody get one of these rocks? 
may get a rock. If you didn't get a rock, you can uh, grab one on your way out, or you can get up in the middle right now and get one, or I have a few more up here. I tried to keep the big ones away from uh, you guys. As How many of you were instructed to throw this at me? How many of you were instructed not to throw this at me? Okay, so I, I know where our greeters stand with me, so that's good. That's why I have my own bucket up here. Because if you start throwing them, I'm going to start throwing them back, right? But, it, but really, one of the reasons I want you to have this today is, is a picture of uh, the city of Jerusalem, that it was laid in rubble. And as Jeremiah looks over the city, grieving the loss, grieving seeing the suffering and the shame, the pain, and Every chapter in the book of Lamentations is a song of lament. Again, it would point to why it seems like not the greatest sermon series to preach on a Sunday morning. Hey, come to Hallmark Church. We're going to just talk about grieving and suffering and crying for five straight weeks. Woo, that sounds great, doesn't it? Yeah, you can't even get excited about it. But on the heels of we just came out of the series of Esther and Esther Uh, would be on the timeline about 100 years after Jeremiah would write Lamentations. And as we ask three important questions in the book of Esther, I think the same three questions are appropriate for Lamentations. The first one, I think we would all agree, at least we did last week, that we believe, do you believe God is good, yes or no? Do you believe God is in control, yes or no? Which leads us to the third question that is really comes to the forefront when we have a season of suffering or hurt or pain or loss is, am I going to believe that God is good and God is in control until he proves it? Or maybe if he never does prove it. Then I'm gonna rest and trust in the scriptures and who God says he is. Last week we asked the question, do we take our sin as seriously as God takes our sin? The group last week said no. Would you agree with them? We don't take our sin as seriously as God takes our sin. Do you agree with that? Nod your head, yeah. The follow-up question was, should we take our sin as seriously as God does? Yeah, we're all in trouble. The question this morning, and don't answer it because... Potentially this morning, at least don't answer it out loud, potentially this morning you've heard false answer to this question. Does God give us more than we can handle? So sometimes maybe you've heard or maybe misheard that God never will give us more than we can handle. And that's not really what we find in, in Scripture. But God does promise to handle it for us. That's better deal, isn't it? And God's gonna walk us through it. Because what God really wants to get for us to be at is the end of ourselves. Like I can't do it, I can't make it, I can't handle it. God, I need you. I need to depend on you. The other reason I ask, or uh, you have one of these rocks this morning, I have a couple of them, but mainly just because I wanted to play with them and make noise. But also, I can't look at rocks like this without 
Never mind, I'm not going to tell the story. I got in a lot of trouble with rocks like this. So if you start throwing at me, I got experience. I can throw back. That's what I'll, I'll leave it at that. I wanted you this morning, though, to have like a tangible something in your hand for you this morning to identify. Is there a loss you're experiencing right now? A hurt? A doubt? A struggle? Maybe it's a kid who doesn't follow Jesus. Maybe it's your finances, your job, health, your parents' health, your kids' health, your marriage. I want you to, to picture that. What is it? Because it seems normal to come to church and smile. Everything's good. But I'm going to say a high percentage of us this morning, we could name this rock. Mine's very simple, and it's not even a big deal, but, but it, like, it's a big deal to me. What is it? I want you to, to think about it for a moment, to name it. Feel the loss, the hurt, the doubt, the grief, the sorrow. Because the reality is, I think that when we suffer or when we go through seasons of suffering and hurt and loss and pain, oftentimes we could kind of name three reasons or three possibilities of why. Sometimes it's, it's the sin that I've committed. I've created my own mess. Sometimes it's sin committed against me. Some of you may be experiencing that. Sometimes it's just the reality that we live in a fallen world and thanks to Adam and Eve, we have cancer and we have sickness and we have death. The sin entered into the world. But as we walk through this chapter number two today, I just kind of want to quickly walk through it and, and then end with as the same thing we did last week, like some points of maybe certainties in our suffering. The, the continuation of a lament, the continuation of looking at the devastation of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel and the crying out to God, Jeremiah continually cries out to God. And, and you can see, and if you're, if you're taking notes, and maybe you're on the YouVersion Bible app this morning, but there's uh, three sections to this passage of scripture that we're gonna walk through very quickly this morning. The first one is the first 10 verses. And kind of the title under these verses is Destruction by a Divine Warrior. You're gonna see very quickly as we read this text and specifically like the first five verses, but, but in these 22 verses of Lamentation chapter number two, you're gonna hear the words, the Lord or he or you, all in reference to God. Jeremiah, it is very clear as you read this passage of scripture, this chapter, that Jeremiah is no doubt in his mind that God is orchestrating the punishment of the nation of Israel. Not only is it that God allowed it, but God is causing it. Let's, let's look. 
Lamentation chapter 2, verse 1, how the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger. I can't help but picture the nation of Israel as they came out of Egypt and the cloud that led them by day and the fiery pillar by night and the cloud represented the presence of God and here the cloud now represents his anger, his judgment. He cast down from heaven to the earth the beauty of Israel. This is a reference of the temple. Uh, the temple. He did not remember his, his footstool in the, in the day of his anger. The Lord has swallowed up and has not pitied all the dwelling places of Jacob. Listen to this. He has thrown down his wrath, the strongholds of the daughter of Judah. He has brought them down to the ground. He has profaned the kingdom and princes. He has cut off in fierce anger every horn of Israel. He has drawn back his right hand from before the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a, fi a flaming fire, devouring all around. Do you, do you see what he's saying? That he's removed his presence, his power, and his protection. Remember, look at verse number three. He's cut off in fierce anger every horn of Israel. He's drawn back his right hand. And again, when we think of the right hand of God, it leads to understanding of his power, his protection, his provision, and he has drawn it back. He's blazed against Jacob. Look at verse four. Standing like an enemy, he's bent his bow. All pictures of a divine warrior. With his right hand like an adversary, verse four continued. He has slain all who were pleasing to his eye on the tent of the daughter of Zion. He's poured out his fury like fire. The Lord was like an enemy. He has swallowed up Israel. He has swallowed up her places. He's destroyed her strongholds. Increased mourning and lamentation in the daughter of Judah. He has done violence to his tabernacle as if it were a garden. He has destroyed his place of assembly. The Lord has caused the appointment, the appointed feast and Sabbath to be forgotten in Zion. In his burning indignation, he has spurned the king and the priest. The Lord has spurned his altar. He has abandoned his sanctuary. He has given up the walls of her places into the hand of the enemy. They have made a noise in the house of the Lord as on the day of a set feast. Is there any doubt as you listen to the words of Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, that he acknowledges that the judgment the nation of Israel is facing is caused by a divine warrior, the Lord himself? This doesn't seem to reconcile with the thought of God is good and all the time, right? That God is love. But we have to understand that the, the, the covenant, the conditions of the covenant, the relationship that God had established with the nation of Israel all the way back in Deuteronomy. God said, I will make a great nation of you and if you walk in obedience, then you will also walk in my blessing. But if you walk in disobedience, you will walk in my judgment. And because God is a just and merciful God, because the nation of Israel would not repent and turn of their sins, the only loving thing that God could do is to punish them in their sin. To realize that in his mercy, they would experience his judgment. And they cry out. But Jeremiah, we won't take time to read it, but if you look back in Jeremiah chapter 7 and Jeremiah chapter 26, for, for, for 40 years, Jeremiah the prophet has warned the nation of Israel. For 40 years, Jeremiah has said, turn from your sins. Turn back to God. For 40 years, Jeremiah reminded them of the covenant. If you walk in obedience, you'll walk in blessing. If you walk in disobedience, you're going to walk in cursing. 
Let's continue reading verse number eight. The Lord has purposed to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He has stretched out a line. He has not withdrawn his hand from destroying. Therefore, he has caused the rampart and wall to lament. They languished together. Her gates have sunk into the ground. He's destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the nations. The law is no more and the prophets find no vision from the Lord. No walls, no king, no law, no vision from the Lord. The elders, verse 10, of Zion sit on the ground and keep silence. They throw dust on their heads and gird themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem bow their heads to the ground. And this continuation of lament. Last week we talked about lament and suffering and pain and that in our suffering as followers of Jesus, Few things separate us from those who don't follow Jesus than how we choose to suffer. Let me share a portion of the quote that we read last week. Few things contrast religious and humanistic traditions more than their respective responses to suffering. Right? If, if I have a fatalistic or humanistic mindset, I'm here, life happens to me, and then I die. That's it. But as followers of Jesus, what have we already claimed this morning that God is good all the time and we've claimed that God is not only good, but he's in control. And so then we come to this crisis of belief that if God is good and God is in control, what about this? God, this doesn't add up. I've been praying for this. God, you seem to be silent. God, my suffering continues. My pain has increased. You ever ever experienced that? Maybe you're going through it right now. God is good. God is in control. But, But there's this. The rest of that quote says, how can God's love and justice be reconciled with our pain? Then as you name and look at this rock, your hurt, your doubts, I I, I don't know what what you uh, assigned to this this morning. Let's continue reading because there's, there's hope and despair, all right? Can we say we're going to get, can you say hope? Yeah. Say my hope is in Jesus. All right, because it got really, really heavy in here this morning, didn't it? Could you feel it? Can we shake it off a little bit, all right? Let's, God is good all the time. And even better than that, I like that. Lamentations 11, uh, verse 11. My eyes, the the second part, I'm sorry, I didn't give you the title here, distress and despair. So I said hope, but man, it's not getting any better yet, all right? Hang in with me. My eyes fail with tears. My heart is troubled. My bowel is poured on the ground because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. 
the children and the infants faint in the streets of the city. I mean, just despair and destruction. They say to their mothers, where's grain and wine as they swoon like the wound in the streets of the city as their life is poured out on their mother's bosom. How shall I console you? To what shall I liken you, daughter, daughter of Jerusalem? What shall I compare with you that I may comfort you, O virgin daughter of Zion? For you ru- your ruin is spread wide as the sea. And then Jeremiah asks this question. Who can heal you? What's the answer to that question? Who can heal you? God can heal you. Jeremiah knew the answer to the question, but as he laments and as he recalls and recounts and gives this vivid description of the suffering of the nation of Israel, he reminds them, in your suffering, who can heal you? God. Verse 14 gives us part of the problem why the nation of Israel did not repent. Your prophets have seen, have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not uncovered your iniquity to bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. In other words, they were not preaching the truth. The New Testament would speak to this, that in the last days that no one was gonna wanna hear the truth. The King James used the word like, They wanted their ears tickled. Like they just want to come to church and hear, God is good all the time. And if you give more money, then God's going to give you more money. And you're good. Go team. I mean, let's be honest. That would have been maybe more encouraging for you this morning, right? Is it loving as Jeremiah talked about these prophets in, in verse 14, is it loving for the prophets? Is it loving for me as a pastor to not speak the truth? Is it loving for you as a parent not to speak the truth to your kids? Part of the problem was the prophets. Verse 15, all who pass by clap their hands at you, they hiss and shake their, he- their heads at the daughter of Jerusalem and the city that is called this perfection of beauty, the joy, like the mocking of the, the city of Jerusalem because of the people of Israel. It's one of our certainties last week that as I sin, I will cause people to mock the name of my Savior. Verse 16, all your enemies have opened their mouth against you. They hiss and then gnash their teeth. They say, we have swallowed her up. Surely this is the day we've waited for. We have found it. We have seen it. The, and here's a strange verse. Verse 17. The Lord has done what he purposed. He has fulfilled his word. It's a, it's, it's a strange way to point out, but verse 17 reminds us that God is faithful. Hebrews said, our hope is in a God who cannot lie. And verse 17 reveals to us that God had commanded them. God had made a covenant with them. If you don't walk in obedience, you will be destroyed. And even in the destruction, even in the suffering, even in the hurt, and even in the pain, we see God is faithful. He has fulfilled his word, which he commanded in the days of old. He has thrown down and has not pitied, and he has caused an enemy to rejoice over you. He has exalted the horn of your adversaries. 
Verse 18, their heart cried out to the Lord, O wall of daughter of Zion, let tears run down like a river day and night. Give yourself to relief. Give your eyes no rest. The third section here. Plea for deliverance. Verse 19. Arise, cry out in the night at the beginning of the watches. Pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift your hands toward him. This morning, three suffering certainties. All right, so here's a little point of application this morning as we, number one, God is suffering, is sovereign over your sufferings. In our suffering, we need to surrender to his sovereignty. This is one of the reasons when we come in here every Sunday morning that I typically say, God is good, you reply all the time. It's, it's not just a statement, it's a deep theological truth that God is good and God is in control. And I know I share this often, but there's always people coming and going in the church. And the first time I heard a congregation yell those words back, God is good all the time, was not in an American church with wonderful air conditioning and sound systems. It was in a remote area in a village of Kenya, Africa. And I had been in those houses, huts. I'd seen the dirt floors, I'd seen what they eat. I'd seen them walk a mile, two miles to come to church in the heat. And the pastor said, God is good. The people responded all the time. And the truth is, it kind of wrecked me. Because often when I hear and say those words, it's, man, my life is good. And when I'm, when I'm suffering, when I'm hurting, and am I going to surrender this? to the sovereignty of God. Am I gonna trust that he is good and in control? Number two, our response to suffering speaks to our faith or lack of faith, right? Goes back to the three questions. Do we believe God is good? Yes. Do we believe God is in control? Yes. Will we trust him until he proves it? or even if he never does. So, back to your rock. It's your choice. And how you respond to the rock, whatever that might be in your life today, well, it reveals your faith or lack of faith. Number three, 
Prayer is essential in our suffering. Are you glad that God listens to our prayer? You ever felt like God wasn't listening to your prayer? Raise your hand. You ever felt like, man, I wish I could pray like that person? What are they, verse 19 again, Jeremiah says, arise, cry out in the night, at the beginning of the watches, pour out your heart like water before the face of the Lord, lift your hands toward him. Do you know it's never too soon to start praying? Let me say that again. Did you know it's never too soon to start praying? Did you know it's never too late to start praying? Did you know that we sometimes overcomplicate prayer? What, what, what was the instructions here? Pour out your heart. Tell God how you feel. God, this stinks. Could you say this stinks together on the count of three? One, two, three. Say it with more conviction. You can do better than that. Do you, do you think you're going to make God mad by questioning him? No. Hebrews says, we can come boldly to the throne of grace to seek help in our time of need. Jesus said, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. James said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. You are heavy laden. I will give you, what was the word? Rest. God's not threatened by your pain. And if we want to doubt the goodness of God as we look at this, let's not forget God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have, what is it? Everlasting life. I said every week we were gonna go to the middle of the book, Lamentation chapter number three. Verse 21, this I recall to my mind. Therefore I have, what's the word? This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have what? Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. His compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your, what is it? The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes for a moment. To close out our, our service this morning, as normal, we're gonna, we're gonna sing a song of worship. But, but I want you to, this morning is maybe to personalize this a little bit. As you think about whatever emotion or feeling 
or situation that you assign to this rock you're holding, I'm gonna encourage you to do what Jeremiah encouraged the nation of Israel to do. Cry out to the Lord. Seek him. And maybe this morning, the season that this object, this rock represents is a result of your own sin. And like Jeremiah cried for 40 years, turn back to God. Here's the great news. If you humble yourself, confess, God is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter how far you've walked away from God. He's only one step behind you. Turn back. Maybe this morning for you to symbolize, I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna give him my faith in my season of doubt or hurt or loss, whatever this rock represents. I, w- I wanna encourage you to, to come lay it on the altar today. God, I'm giving it to you. I trust you. And maybe for some of you, you might look at it a little differently. You might, you might wanna take this rock home and say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it on my, in my prayer room and I'm gonna pray over it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell God to kick Satan to the curb, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna give faith to God. But I just want you this morning, this next few minutes, to seek the Lord. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray. You can come right now. You can kneel at the altar. You can come when I'm done praying. You can come when we're singing in a moment. But just come do business with God. I know you can do it at your seat. God's just as real there as he is down here, I get it. But maybe for you it's, it's a symbolizing the step of faith. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. And I'm going to seek the Lord. God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace and mercy. Lord, even in judgment, we see your mercy. Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, who have uh, a hurt, a loss, a grief, that we would trust you in this season. because you are good and you are kind and Lord your mercy your goodness may it lead us to repentance